Welcome to the Into AI Safety podcast, where we document my shift to a career in AI safety. This show aims to serve as a mentorship proxy for those getting into the field and a mentorship amplifier for our guests and myself. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Haynes. you may hear this sound, which denotes that I have included at least one link related to the content that preceded the sound. The purpose of this is to allow for citations and providing resources without breaking the flow of conversations. As per usual, items mentioned during asides will have links in the show notes as well. Additionally, there are a few words mentioned throughout this episode which may not be familiar or intuitive to everyone, so I wanted to provide brief context for them up front. Data leakage occurs when data is included in a model's training process that shouldn't be. Overfitting happens when a model learns its training dataset too well, memorizing not only the important aspects of each input, but also the noise or randomness inherent to any dataset. As a result, a model that is overfitted will not perform well when given novel inputs. Safety washing is when a company or group attempts to make it look like they are being more safe than they actually are. Finally, we will say, game, gaming, and gamification a lot in this episode. In our context, this is referencing when a model or its developers exploit some aspect of an evaluation metric in a manner that is not intended by the evaluation designers. Today's episode is the first of the Evals Hackathon 2023 subseries, which will consist of recordings taken during meetings that my team had when participating in Apart Research's Alignment Jams Hackathon of November 2023. Although I couldn't have known this at the time, our group did end up receiving first place out of the submissions for this hackathon, which I think makes this a little bit more interesting, but I suppose you'll be the judge of that. This episode specifically is a trimmed down version of our first meeting, which was basically a large brainstorming session. Note that not everyone that ended up on the team is in this call, since they joined our group afterwards, but the individuals that you will hear during this episode are Udalop, Woog, aka Alice from episode 4, and myself. For context, the hackathon began with a kickoff call hosted by Apart Research, during which Marius Hobhan spoke about evaluations, or evals, of AI systems, specifically large language models. Afterwards, there was a team formation call where Udalop, Woog, and I found we had relatively similar interests. We coordinated and began a new call with just the three of us, having not yet decided exactly what our project would be. Yeah, so I, I don't know how long uh, each of you have, um, but it would be good if we kind of settled <laughs> about what the focus should be. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe we can start with, you know, the ideas we have and, and looking at the document. I do feel like based on at least what I expressed I'm interested in and Jacob expressed what he's interested in, there are a few options. Uh, and, and maybe, uh, you know, we have to figure out the exact variant of it. Uh, but... The one that it seemed that most people were interested in was, can we demonstrate that there is some degree of gaming in the evaluation suites? And it can also be like, you know, with respect to data sets. So that would be like my, my primary suggestion. Uh, the part where I felt unsure about it though was because um, it sounded like maybe this was known before or maybe, you know, someone already has demonstrated this. So if that's the track we want to go, right, then it would make sense to look around a bit. Uh, but I, I, it sounds like something that probably doesn't have that much that's actually public. Uh, like I'm, I'm sure that people have, you know, their experiences and their beliefs, and maybe the, you know they've done some testing internally. But I'm not sure that it has been, you know, demonstrated. And in that case, I think it's a, like a decent project because it feels like it wouldn't take that long to do, right? So you know, can we show that? Um, there have been improvements, you know, on some of these uh, safety-related benchmarks, and those haven't actually translated to the thing they were supposed to capture, right? That the performance on the public benchmarks seems to have improved more than if we were to redo those tests uh, with non-public data, right? So that would be like an example of how you could prove that there's some kind of gamification going on, regardless of, you know, if it's intentional or not intentional. So the other track would be like, how can you prevent that gamification, right? Aside from just hiding the information, are there some better ways of designing uh, these data sets uh, or, or uh, evaluation suites so that 
we don't have to be worried about it being uh, public. Uh, so, so I think Jacobs also falls under that, right? Where say, can we keep some of the information secret and some of it uh, public? I mean, I'm very open to just trying something out too. Um, like those were just some ideas that I had uh, like immediately, but I'm definitely willing to try out different things um, as well. So, mm. well, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of like uh, showing things that are conceptually important. And I think my primary concern here is just like, how much has this been worked out before? And maybe there are like, you know, already really strong papers that show exactly this. That would be the failure mode that I have in mind. So we should do some, some research. If no one has done it, then I actually think it's actually, uh, with respect to my naive intuition, it seems like a good product. The hypothesis version of this would be something like, have companies that have produced um, machine learning models that claim to be um, better aligned and safer, whatever they are claiming, uh, have they actually resolved those problems? Or are they basically just doing better on the data sets and, and benchmarks are public? With the negative result being that, no, they haven't, right? Uh, you know, yeah, now you're doing better on this, this particular data set uh, that's known, but you still have the underlying problem there. And, and that would then motivate that when people are designing these suites, um, they need to do so in a different way. Um, the easiest would be that, say, it's important that when you design these suites, then make some of the information public and keep some of it hidden. And uh, there's sort of two variants of this, right? One is like, do you reveal some of your data set and make it public and then keep some of your data set internal? Is that safe enough or are you still basically leaking and, and allowing uh, overfitting basically for, for the company? Uh -huh. Or do you need to go with basically having uh, if you're, you're, you're testing for some dangerous capability that say you're creating uh, two different data sets and you're releasing one of them and the other one you're keeping secret and these have been designed to measure that capability but they're done in slightly different ways. Okay, so that's a, a recent paper. Uh, yeah, really recent, November 19th um, about truthfulness and instruction following don't generalize by default. I think that's the closest as far as i can tell to actually addressing that issue of like do the evals generalize so the eval says that it is measuring this thing um if we measure that thing in a different way has it did it generalize to it and the answer is no um but I think if there's only one, it's still worthwhile to do more because for policy in particular, what I've sort of picked up on is like, they like to have more pieces of evidence to go off of. Mm -hmm. And so if we can show this in a different way, I think that would still be very valuable. Yeah. I mean, I only eyed this one, so I don't know exactly what it did, but it's usually the case also that every time you find a paper that looks similar and you dig into the details, it's actually something a bit different. And I think this one is actually, um, it, it is actually relevant. Uh, I guess I have to dig more to understand in what way, but it seems to have more to do with, yeah, the, the, does the, um, does the capabilities generalize, right? It's not so much about evaluation, right? The paper I referenced is Generalization Analogies, a testbed for generalizing AI oversight to hard-to-measure domains by Joshua Clymer et al. Or rather, I'm referencing the blog post, New Paper Shows Truthfulness and Instruction Following Don't Generalize by Default, also by Joshua Clymer, which discusses the paper. In this research, Clymer et al. present a rigorous evaluation of generalization using distributional shifts in text model inputs, which enforces the claim that instruction following is a difficult concept to identify within such models, and that so-called internet text personas are favored over development of a broad concept like instruction following. These concepts are related to evaluations because the format of a given evaluation, along with the kind of content it is inquiring about, can be framed as a distributional shift. Although there may be some ways in which this idea can be leveraged to demonstrate failings of evaluations, Udalop is correct, and the paper itself is using evaluations as a tool. Let's say that we have something that uh, we, don't, we don't want models to do, and we designed one suite, and now 
uh, it doesn't seem to be doing that anymore, does that mean that now it doesn't have that problem anymore or is it just that it's there on the data set? I think that's the variant that we're most interested in, which I think is related to this, but not exactly the same. And I think it's also slightly different from, say, let's say that you started with a low score and now uh, these public models have a better score and you know maybe some of these companies are proud because they have a better score. How much of that was just due to some kind of overfitting uh, rather than you know, addressing it? And, and it could be that that's not just about um, out of distribution generalization. There could also just be some form of data leakage, either because it's public and on the web or because people have tested internally and you know tuned things in different ways or you know, you know developed uh, improvements in architecture, etc. Uh, so there are like two different slightly two different ways where uh, just getting a good score on a suite doesn't necessarily mean that now you have addressed the the, the problem that you wanted to to get rid of. Mm -hmm. For starters, can you just like list e some evals at all so I can get a feeling for like what an eval even looks like? Yeah, I've got a big list actually because uh, I've oh, been awesome. collecting this. Um, so there, I think the best one to like just start off with is the anthropic evals, uh, model written evals. Let me find that. It has basically like a bunch of different potential evals. Um, I think the biggest issue with this one is that it's very much the behavioral evaluation, um, because it's just asking the model exactly what they would do. Right. So if you're just asking the model what it would do, I feel like that is very easily gameable, not like from a training perspective, but from uh, understanding uh, the system. Like if it was deceptive, it would be very easy to trick it. And that's along the lines of what Marius was saying as well. Um, so I think that's sort of understood by people who have worked a lot in evals. I think personally, evaluations that are like defining a difference between how the model actually behaves and what the model says it's going to do is the most important part and choosing evaluations that actually measure like what is the model actually going to do in this situation is like way more valuable thing is those are harder to do so a good example of those um would be open ai's evals because they have actually um, a couple really interesting ones on like a game that they've called Make Me Say. Instead of the roundabout explanation that I gave my teammates, I thought it would be more effective to take the words directly from the readme of the Make Me Say game on GitHub. This evaluation tests an AI system's ability to generate persuasive or manipulative text specifically in the setting of a game where one AI system has to get the other party, an AI system simulating a human, to say a specific code word without arousing suspicion. And there's a variant of it I think they, they made called Make Me Pay, which is similar but has to do with like buying, buying something, I think. Um, I think those are way more interesting than the purely behavioral ones, but again, they're a lot more difficult to do because they require a pretty um, interesting way to formulate the problem to actually put the model into a situation where it has the opportunity to do that behavior, you know? So can you, can you actually explain this to me? Because I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm grasping why there's actually a big difference between them. Like I can definitely see there's a big difference if there are certain certain capabilities that only show themselves in specific scenarios, right? You have all of this previous information, right? Here are the different people involved. This, per this person knows this and that, right? Yeah, you can mm -hmm. craft like these complex uh, scenarios and, and those are necessary for some things. But if you're just talking about say, oh, um, would it rob a bank, right? And you make a distinction between you asking it, would you rob a bank or not? Should you rob a bank in this situation and actually giving it that opportunity? I'm not sure if I see that there's a that is difficult to go to the one where you're checking the behavior rather than asking. If you're imagining, for example, using LLMs and we're using them as agents, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you could give it, you could use like the functions API, right? Because now it's outputting actions instead of outputting text. Wouldn't that already move us to the thing we're trying to capture, or what am I not following? 
Um, I guess my my intuition and like the assumption that's sort of baked into that uh, statement that I was making that I think that looking at the behavior is better than what it says it will do is that saying that you're going to do something um, is a lot easier to prevent. So it would be easier for the system internally. Let's say the system was deceptively aligned and it wanted to, in the situation where it's asked this question, you know, say that it would do the morally correct thing, but actually it wouldn't. Uh, I think that would be easier to do. It would be easier to accomplish to just say, oh yeah, I would do the right thing. But then when you're actually given that opportunity, not do the right thing. Um, and I think that's definitely true for people. And so my intuition is just sort of like, there's more that goes into it uh, to actually doing it and actually not doing it than there is to saying that you would actually do it or saying that you would actually not do it. Since I just made a claim about AI based on human behavior and an assumed similarity between them, I want to take a moment to address why this is not good practice. Fundamentally, the process that models go through during training is incredibly different from the combined process of species evolution and individual level learning that a given human will experience. While making comparisons and recognizing similarities is okay, making predictions of machine behavior based on human analogs and rationale has the potential to be very dangerous. Upon reflection, however, I still believe my core claim here which was that it is more difficult for a model to act non-myopically than it is for a model to say it would behave differently than it acts. I believe this to be the case because of the increased requirement for situational awareness and runtime computation that acting non-myopically has, and I believe that the paper I referenced earlier, Generalization Analogies, a Testbed for Generalizing AI Oversight to Hard-to-Measure Domains, presents results which back this idea up. So I understand the distinction in some sense, but Let's say that you wanted to test it, right? Wouldn't it be so for some of the tests? It would basically just be exactly the same, or you change the instructions to present the scenario, or you know, you use the functions API, right? That it, it, right? Would you actually need like a very different test for some of these things? I I get what you're saying now. Um, I I still think it's a little more robust than just asking, even if you are only using one problem formulation. And then so arc evals is is really interesting at least as far as I can tell, their focus is more on um, self-replication and like being able to use the command line to actually do things. Yeah, I feel like th this, these are the coolest ones. Like, yeah, I'm very happy uh, that someone is working on this. Um, yeah, but then like the thing is they're not sharing like most of that because sharing it would make it significantly less valuable. Um, how do you know that? How do I know that? Yeah. And th that's my assumption based on uh, like the the work in other fields. So in economics, for example, this the rule of like, as soon as you make a uh, metric, a standard. So as soon as you're using a yeah, metric yeah. Mm -hmm. for a standard, it becomes uh, less valuable because you're no longer going to actually be measuring the thing that the metric was made to measure. But um, but if I'm, you know, one of the people who are, you know, kind of skeptical about this and, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, make my chat GPT even worse by adding more security requirements. Like, are you speculating or do you know that for sure? I mean, I get, so that that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a specific explicit example of, of demonstrating that in AI. There are many in other domains. This concept is also known as Goodhart's Law, after the British economist Charles Goodhart, who stated, Any observed statistical regularity will tend to collapse once pressure is placed upon it for control purposes. Although there are multiple examples of similar views recorded prior to Goodhart's article in 1975. A real example of this was seen when the French colonial government of Vietnam offered a bounty that paid out a reward for each rat killed in an attempt to reduce the rat infestation problem in Hanoi. To collect their reward, a rat catcher would turn in the severed tail of a rat. This ill-formed reward method resulted in rat catchers collecting rats, severing their tails, and then releasing them back into the sewers so that the rats could reproduce. 
Yeah. So I, I will stop, uh, you know, pitching for that. But that that was like the the, the primary or or one of the primary ideas for something we could work out, like to actually prove that that happens rather than it being a speculation. Mm -hmm. Because like you say, even if a lot of AI safety people believe that this is the case, uh, I think a lot of people will be skeptical until you actually have proven it. And I think that's and like I think that's valuable is is sort of what I was trying to say earlier too is like I think just doing that would be valuable the question is how do we do that like do, does that mean we do more of like a research approach where we look at previous evaluations that have occurred um and then like over time we analyze it we make our own you know um data set that we believe is effectively the same as like if they had withheld a portion of the data set um and then use that to determine it. And, you know, our, our research, our, our work during this hackathon is then creating that data set and proving that it is close enough or, yeah, it is close enough to, like, this other data set. Let's say we pick truthful QA. I feel like that's yeah, the one of the approaches. I mean, also this thing about just fine-tuning a model, I think that's also okay. It's not the most novel. Um, because I, th I think that one is much more obvious that yeah, it would go wrong. Uh, but uh, uh, even something like that is viable. I, I think the truthful QA would be even better. It would be even nicer if you can find you know, some kind of eval that's um, you know, getting to the, the more tricky parts. Because I think with truthful QA, uh, I feel like it's a bit debatable also um, to what extent... Yeah, some people have different opinions about specific truthful QA, but but also like how much should you correct these models for truthfulness versus just you know do whatever the user wants. Uh, there are like a bunch of other problems uh, or potential risks with the models that might be more interesting to demonstrate. So if we can find evils for those, uh, that would be even nicer. But I think the uncertain part there is yeah, do do we have the right kind of setup? I think truthful QA is just easy because it has been out for a while and we know that people are trying to score well on that one. So it would yeah. be very easy to prove that there has been, you know, some kind of overfitting on it. Uh, but it would be much cooler if we could do this like, you know, with something like Arc Eval. But I, I don't know if anything has been out for that long so that you, you they they that. don't they don't publish their yeah I, I don't uh, mean them like explicitly but you know s something like that right where, where they go a bit deeper like other kinds of, of dangerous capabilities I, I just posted in the chat another paper called from instructions to intrinsic human values a survey of alignment goals for big models uh, and on page three so that's like a, a their own taxonomy of a bunch of different alignment evaluations that have been done. Um, and I think it was, it was really useful. I, I, I've mentioned the ones that are my favorites. And I think the most representative of like different categories from these, because I have gone through these um, and like looked at, looked at most or yeah, no, not all of them, but most of them. And it was relatively recent that this was published uh, September. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty accurate. There have been a couple since then. Um, particularly in the realm of fine-tuning necessarily degrades safety. Um, although those weren't evals, that was just a paper proving that. So, Sorry, fine-tuning degrades what? Fine-tuning aligned language models compromises safety even when users do not intend to, is what the paper is called. Just linked that in the chat as well. Uh, but they used OpenAI's API uh, with GPT 3.5 Turbo, uh, used 20 cents of fine-tuning, uh, I think, and showed that that substantially reduced safety on it. Uh, wait, this sounds interesting. Uh, what did it do? Uh, so by safety, do they mean like the general... Uh, kind of alignment tuning that people are doing or do they mean something yes else? so by safety i believe it means like willingness to tell people uh how to do bad things the last one to just throw in there about sort of these gaming things is shadow alignment the ease of subverting safely aligned language models um actually there there is one more and that's the paper that i was going to do but then chose not to because kevin esfeld already did it showing how they fine-tuned i think with like twenty dollars or something 
of credit on somewhere. Um, they created a spicy llama too, is what they called it, um, that would acknowledge that what the user was asking was not um, morally correct and that it shouldn't answer. And then it would continue and answer the question. Um, and that can be used to like do bio-risk stuff. Um, so Vogue, you have been doing a lot of uh, research here behind the scenes and uh, collecting some notes. Yes. It is good to write down your ideas in notes. Mm. So do that. So I've got it started. Some people are in here, so it's good. Yeah, I've been taking notes of some people's like sayings, um, but then you are free to overwrite this. Um, by the way, I added in a few of the limitations down there that Marius mentioned. I, I, I think it is interesting to try to start with something that he raised, actually, like like he sees these as some of the core issues. Not all of these are very easy, uh, sure. Um, yeah, so you listed some of them already here, absence of evidence versus evidence of absence, currently only behavioral. I added in these ones, capabilities versus alignment, the way that he defined it where capabilities is if you can prove that it can behave dangerously in some situation, while he called an alignment test is more like showing that above some sort of threshold of frequency that is done and that is a challenge how to do that. I, I feel like that's not usually how people define capabilities and alignment, but okay, that's one concrete problem that he had. Uh, and, and he did also talk a lot about this, like, uh, yeah, the easy, not a lot, but he did mention this thing about it is, it is easy to game the evaluations if we make them public, so they don't want to make anything public. Uh, and then he also talked this uh, talked about the, the safety washing. Uh, it, maybe it feels more like a governance or policy question, but uh, I think there's an interesting question of like how can you detect or or you know are, are there some technical ways of preventing this as well? Um, and uh, yeah, and he was also talking about limitations of elevation. Personal stance is that well, I have a lot of respect for Marius. I think picking a direction that is like highly influenced from what he cares about is probably a good idea. Yeah, he like has other posts on like Less Wrong or Blinded Forum that are all like very, very good, which gives me a lot of confidence in like the way that he thinks, I guess. Sure. So like, so that like, I mean, I'm not a person to like blindly like sort of trust things, but like I at least want to read them and process them to make sure I understand them properly. So based on that, what do you think? Like, I think that this has been helpful to just like get ideas out, make sure we're on the same page with these. What are like two uh, or three different ideas that are like concrete? We can do this. We can make progress on it. And let's let's pick one, you know? Yeah, so um, I guess one question is to, to, to decide is are we making an eval? Do we want to make an eval? Uh, like, versus, you know, like, what are alternative plans? So, like, I feel like, I'm not sure if that's the right question to start with, right? The, the most question is like, what do we think is uh, one of the, I don't know, core problems that we want to contribute to? And then we think about it and there'll be like some different options to it, right? Because maybe you say that, okay, let's do an evil for it, but you can also do say, let's look at the kind of evils that people have done before and let's see if we can come up with some shortcomings and propose ways to, you know, get around those shortcomings. Uh, I mean, up to you, but I feel like, yeah, starting with like an interesting problem that you think is important and then looking at what we can do about it feels better than saying that we only want to do an evil or we only want to do governance work or whatever. Yep, I mean, that's a better idea. So let's do that. So I think the question is for you then, <laughs> because me and Jacob has been talking a lot about our thoughts, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you already have some, uh, you know, some feelings or thoughts about what kind of stuff, what kind of problems does seem relevant to you. So I want to, I don't want to tread carefully, but I want to like, I feel like I don't have a good sense of like, as a pure impression standpoint, I'm not super excited about gaming emails as like a, a project to work on. This is just like personal opinion. Okay. Or like, yeah, I'm like leaning towards doing stuff. But like, I also do not have a good alternative. So, 
Okay. <laughs> what, what do you? What, where do you find? What do you think is less promising? Hmm. It's not that it's less promising. It's just I'm not as interested in doing it. Okay. So then, what would you be interested in doing? Working towards uh, improving methodology. Like, like rather than poking holes in bad methodology, finding good methodology. Hmm. That's similar to like one of my, or I guess approaches one of my other, or like initial idea, which was just like, I I think that there are ways to share information selectively, um, such that it an evaluation can't be efficiently gamed or like if it is then we would know and i think that would be interesting to explore the issue is that in order to do that we have to demonstrate that there's a issue with the current ones i guess which then like sort of turns it into two projects which maybe makes it less uh, attractable no, I, I mean, I don't think we need to prove the first one. I, I think that I think a lot of people already believe it. So I think an interesting question is, yeah, how can you avoid that? Like, is there a way to design these suites or data sets or whatever? Or how do you employ it, et cetera, to minimize the gaming? Yeah, so uh, I think one thing that I would be interested in, is, like, I think one thing concretely we can do is, like, try to game certain evals. But, like, and then, but, like, rather than invest in that necessarily as our like full project we can maybe think about like how could a eval be formulated such that it would not be susceptible to these to these flaws i guess yes well 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 well, well to be clear i i don't think we have time to do both of those properly but i think you you, you can definitely prove that you can game or there is gaming and then propose ways to do it to, to, to avoid that, right? That's like a good motivation for why there needs to be better methodology. And you can propose some ideas for methodology, right? That would be one version. The other version would be to say, here is one particular way that we can eliminate or reduce these risks and then demonstrate that that works. I think those are more viable for a weekend project. Yeah, I guess after saying it out loud, I am no longer against gaming. <laughs> <laughs> I have a paper um, called Building Less Flawed Metrics, Understanding and Creating Better Measurement and Incentive Systems. Um, and that was re- published recently by David Mannheim. But that goes into, I think, uh, a series of concrete ways to both design your evaluations, um, at, or rather your metrics, and also... Um, like the distribution, the way that the infrastructure around it is set up. So selective sharing um, in particular, I think is the easiest to test. Um, It gives like concrete uh, different areas to address if, if we're wanting to basically show like, Hey, here's a way to, to make this better in AI specifically. Okay, so that paper already have has a bunch of suggestions for how you could potentially reduce the, the gaming risk. But it's not applied to AI. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. So, so, so to be clear here, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just concerned to make sure that you know we find something that all of us are excited about. Uh, I think that's a, a good goal, uh, and especially yeah, what 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 Woog is interested in. Um, I I I'm kind of positive about uh, this gaming thing, but it doesn't have to be like demonstrated gaming. It's also like all of these different methods where we try to make the evaluation more robust, show that it analyzes better. You know, whatever ways we can do that, uh, I think that's interesting, uh, and I think that is one of the core methodological challenges that sorry Marius um, uh, raised. But but exactly like which of these approaches we take, like uh, I think that's a bit unclear. I do think that at the moment we're kind of discussing either demonstrate this kind of these gaming challenges or to come up with ways to reduce those risks. Uh, you know, however how rest done. I think that uh, I I haven't done so much of these uh, work sorry uh, hackathons before. I would guess that the first one is really easy to pull off. Like it feels like that's the right size and and it probably is relevant and you know you do it in the right way. I feel like. 
I can sort of see that we have a very high chance for success with that one. Uh, the second one to me is a bit more exciting. Like it's, it feels like this is a, a harder, more important problem. Like it could be more impactful, right? But it's definitely much more of an open-ended research problem. Uh, where I think we actually have to start by brainstorming different approaches and see if we can come up with one that we actually think is, is uh, promising and then actually um, try to prove it. But I, I think with that one, we probably need to have a step first where we're brainstorming ideas rather than jumping on one of them. Of, on one of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. Okay. I mean, so, so, so here would be like the most extreme one. Uh, I don't think I, I, I actually don't have any good idea for this, so <laughs> maybe it's too hard of a problem. But in crypto, one of the like nice, beautiful results is that you can publish the protocols you have and let you know your attackers read them, and you're still safe, right? Like th- their access to the information about wh- how your algorithms work doesn't actually, um, well, mostly make your it's not not what your security relies on to an extent. And I think that's really beautiful. So, you know, if, if you want to be super ambitious here, it would be like, how could you do the same with evaluations, right? Could we design evaluations in such a way that we can tell people exactly how they're done? We can even share them, I don't know, some of the data, maybe not exactly the data, but some, we can go much more detailed in like how these are structured. And it won't actually give them an edge on over-optimizing or, you know, fine-tuning or whatever to get around the test. That I think would be like the, like the the holy grail. Uh, but I don't actually have any ideas for how to do that right now. So in the in the in the paper that I just linked, um, the desiderata that are suggested, which is their way of saying like methods of doing this, are considering coherence, causal analysis, structured compromise, pre gaming, monitoring behavior, diversification, aggregation, secret metrics post hoc specification, randomization, soft metrics, uh, limit, limiting maximization and abandoning measurements. Um, I think that these would have to be like looked at more in depth, but this, that table where it shows you basically like a breakdown of availability, cost, immediacy, simplicity, fairness, and non-corruptibility of each of the different items uh, is like definitely a place to start if that was where the direction we wanted to go. Um, and so now I guess I think that it would be maybe a good idea to, to like choose one and then just stick with that. Um, what do you guys think? I feel like uh, maybe, I, I think it would be good to at least like brainstorm what ideas we have and pick one where we have a good idea. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I just meant like, that as our next step of like we should pick one and then would it be valuable to just have like a little bit of time to skim those real quick yes this paper is sick thanks for sharing yeah of course yeah i really really liked it when i i talked with david manheim and he was like i'm, I'm about to publish this paper I, w- I would love for them for there to be some examples like that like let's say that you know some professor like so here's a cool problem that's actually you know quite important to solve maybe you can figure it out <laughs> well i'm saying like i would love to have some examples like that right if you know if you if you have five minutes to talk to someone like throw out like here's a cool problem that you can work on that's actually quite central to the field but i don't know if you have any like even well-defined problems like that that aren't basically conceptual still oh i've done it before i found a like arc theory posted like this uh, problem that was like mostly academic and I went to a mass conference and I just like found the expert on this thing and said, how hard do you think this problem is? And like, is it worth, like, is it worth spending time for like the $5,000 bounty that this problem has? And he said, no, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, it is kind of funny, right? Like uh, we think of like the Nobel prizes, right? That's what you get, you know, if you're one of the brightest minds contributed hugely to society and and that that might not be even be enough for research grants right you spend it in half a year on your group so yeah um what are you guys' thoughts i guess i want to hear your guys' thoughts first yeah what, what do you think Wolf? thanks thanks for the, the <laughs> pass 
Well, I know I always have very opinionated ideas. I want to sort of, you know, get the baseline first and then. Oh, nice. So baseline. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I want to start testing stuff. Me too. I see. Yeah. So that means, like, it may be that, like, so, like, I want to start testing stuff as in I want to have some evals that we should just throw into a bucket and, like, have all the links to them and then just test random prompts in ChatGPT if this is, like, a compatible format uh, and see, like, uh, what would it mean to game this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I was wondering where we're going. Uh, yeah, to be clear, um, I, I don't know if that's what you were... I, I think MFK, yeah, definitely. But uh, I don't know if you were going for it, but uh, I, I, I'm personally not as excited about can we just create a new Eval suite? Unless, you know, we think it captures some core problem. Like, again, like the safety behavior is super interesting to figure out how to tweak and do that, but it's just very unclear how to. Um, but to be clear, um, I, I think, yeah, putting together some kind of Eval suit and, and show uh, that it can be gaming, I think that's interesting. Uh, but I think it's a bit different from what we intended to do with this list, right? Because I, I thought the point with this list was more about um, what are some possible approaches that could reduce the risk of game, um, gamifying or, or not generalizing um, because of passing an able suite. Uh, so I thought the, the goal would be for us to discuss these points and then see if we think any of these are a potentially good approach for eliminating the gamification or, or poor generalization. I mean, on that point, one concrete thing that we could still do is like have a list of evals and then measure it against this checklist to see if they have like they have the the kinds of uh, sort of fallacies that are enumerated in this paper. Yeah, I because because I agree with Woog. I think that we should at this point um, prioritize like action of just like starting something because i think that you know if, if we want to we could just end up talking about it for like a, a really long time and that's just like i think it'll be more effective <laughs> to just like we could do we can take action on both like points but both of them involve enumerating a list of evals in the first place yeah so i i i think the best place to start is that taxonomy that i sent because i think this is like all of these are clearly evaluations. They were designed to be evaluations. They've been screened to be evaluations. Uh, and then look at like specific ones that we either know or, or uh, are particularly interesting. The other place to look, although I'm pretty sure they would all be on here, is the Hugging Face open source leaderboard, which I think is just absolutely hilarious because it goes against everything I think about for evals. Um, it literally like ranks all the open source uh, models and like how well they do on a bunch of different evals. Uh, and it's like, this shouldn't be what we're doing, but that's, <laughs> that's a place to look for. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a super good place to start because I think that's what most people are concerned about right now. I mean, sure. Maybe I'm complicated. It's just, for me, generally speaking, I, it's to me, it, it feels like sometimes clear when like, okay, here is an idea, it's going to work out, now we just need to execute. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like, I guess, pushing on the conceptual part until I feel like we got that. Uh, I know that maybe uh, Vogue doesn't feel like it's the most exciting one, but I do feel like demonstrating uh, this gamification is one of those things where it just feels like, yeah, this will be like a, you know, an interesting title and it's very compact and I can sort of see how we can do all of that. Um, the other approach was this thing about, like, can we also show how we can improve it? Uh, and I feel for that one, we need to do more brainstorming. Like, I think the problem is also that if that's what we want to do, right, to, to find a methodology to improve it, that will influence how we are doing the testing. Uh, I feel like just, you know, throwing some random events at it, that might be wasted effort depending on what approach we choose to take for um, avoiding the... Uh, the gamification. But I, I, I understand, like, we, we've been talking for too I long. I appreciate so we should sort of, that. Yeah. I the thing the the thing that I'm incorporating into my model is just all the researchers that I know and that I've been able to talk to uh, are big uh, proponents of just like start doing stuff because that will inform you 
and inform the like different things that you're actually going to do. Um, if you if you formulate for a really long time and then you come back and then you start doing stuff, it's likely that you're going to change it anyways. And so it's better to just start and start getting data so that you can then uh, iterate with information as opposed to trying to come up with the best thing right away. I, I don't know. I mean, usually you sort of make the, um, the plan and then you execute on it, but, but like, like a plan where you feel like, yeah, if we do these things and they go well, then we have it. But uh, sure, I, I, I know we, we should wrap this up because, yeah, you're right. We've been talking for too long, so we should pick something. Uh, but um, what, what, what do you hope that we'll find if we start, you know, doing random evals? Because I'm sure that we can find, you know, lots of examples. Yeah, you can find cases where it's lying It's more to us just and... to contextualize our thoughts. Because like I, I don't, I don't think we'll find a concrete example, but it will give us more um, context of like what it actually means, or like if it's actually possible. Um, so I'm not saying to, to like make a final decision. I just think to actually start using um, a system like an LLM would be. So, so what do we want to do? So do we want to open ChatGPT and then uh, we take uh, examples from Tool QA and show that it is answering incorrectly? Or what kind of thing do we want to start doing? I think that's the, the part where I'm just like wanting to start and then like try some things and see how they go. And so like, yeah, that sounds good. Well, I found this like the, the Eleuther AI, like it says on the Open LLM leaderboard, that the backend runs on this Eleuther AI language model evaluation harness. Oh yeah. And then we can go here to like for each one, for example, arc, I can go here and go to arc.py and get a description of what that eval was. Nice. There is this other quite interesting, um, I don't know if you call it track, right? But where language models are evaluating language models as well. Um, he, he spoke a bit about it uh, during uh, the talk, but he was talking about more in Omarius about having dynamic testing, right? Instead of having fixed question answer, for example, that you do the testing in different ways for different LLMs. Um, but there is this other suite, right, where uh, what are calling like human eval and so on, where uh, the, uh, the language model is supposed to generate answers, and then usually GPT-4 is going to rank them, like, you know, who, who's giving a good answer and bad answer. Uh, it could be interesting to see how well that actually analyzes when it comes to safety evaluations, because it's sort of introducing a bit of bias, because now we're using one language model to evaluate another language model. I just throwing out that, that that is also like a popular track now, like a, a bunch of the most respected uh, comparisons of different LLMs is done that way instead of the, the old school question answer data sets. Right. So here's an idea. So using um, a few shot prompting, can we get some like rapid feedback on trying these? Yep. So that, I guess that was my my next step is let's just let's just see like sure. i guess then um, we have to design a like exactly how that experiment works but i'm i guess i'm just i think actually uh, my gut feeling says woog has the most experience with uh like actually working with the models um uh, uh, like in terms of running experiments with them um I guess I could be wrong, but I'm curious, which do you think is the most tractable? In the direction of like testing models, whether they have these or like, f like creating any eval that is like specially designed for these or what? Um, I, I was more thinking about just like things that we can actually do. Um, so I wasn't specifying either way. So like things we should do. Try random ass stuff. Uh, like, that is definitely one thing, so I think Jacob was, like, emphasizing that earlier. I'm not necessarily the best, like, person to, like, direct people on, like, things to do. So, like, one is just, like, follow your heart. I definitely want to, like, my interest will lean towards, like, I, like, probably, like, when I get off this call, I will, uh, both pull up a bunch of evals that look interesting, uh, probably the ones, like, 
uh, to make me pay or make me say once that Jacob uh, mentioned before on the open AI evals. And just like, I want to like try them on my GPT 3.5 and just see if it like, like what kinds of interesting behavior I'll see. Uh, and yeah, it's hard for me to say like before doing a bunch of testing around and just looking for interesting behavior, what would be interesting behavior or what would be like things to do. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. So here's, here's my thought. Um, because after let's say that we're going to try to end before midnight for Utilop, um, cause I think that is reasonable. Um, and then we're going to meet, um, tomorrow at maybe a little bit before the office hours thing, mm-hmm. um, which is at, um, for me, that's 6 a.m. Okay. Hell yeah. Oh, you uh, <laughs> I mean, I can go to bed early. Uh, if we want to meet an hour before then, just to like bring back things that we learned and, and like, I guess maybe bring something more concrete to the office hours because I think it, it's going to be really valuable to just ask questions during that time. Yep. And so in between now and then, we basically just go and we try to test these evals think of ways that we can ourselves run these evals um and like run different some of these different methods that we've brought up of like maybe not sharing scores of certain things or something like that um and comparing the difference um and then each of us brings like one that we're the most excited about at least tomorrow um does that sound good yeah i guess like in summary what we just spent a bunch of time doing it's brainstorming and chucking our ideas into sort of one document on like roughly what each of us cares about what each of us are sort of interested in what are like plausible things we can work on without necessarily picking and like a, a concrete thing to work on and then homework is like uh trying just doing a bunch of exploration uh on our own time and like throwing together like evidence uh you know papers things that we tried uh and then like the goal for like when we like you know meet up later is like what are things like once we have a bunch of things in a pile what are things that we can do together Mm -hmm. and do you want to like brainstorm on like like let's suppose we have an idea that we choose. We have a, so much of, a bunch of evidence, and then we're like, yep, your idea is better than mine, so we're going to do that one. Uh, like, I guess some thoughts are, like, thinking about what does a good collaboration work like look like at that point? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we actually, like, build off of each other's, like, skills, or like, what would collaboration look like at that point? I guess, like, you don't necessarily need an answer to this right now, but, like, this is, like, something to sleep on. Yeah. No, I I definitely think that's valuable. It makes sense. This is, like, not my expertise. Uh, So I don't have a good, like, suggestion on what that would look like. But but sleeping on it is good. So just to to throw out my current ideas, I think that the, the best way that I can think of just off the top of my head is getting different examples of basically like what we think it's going to look like mm-hmm. and then bring those together, sharing them um, and taking the best elements of each. Uh, and uh, like, I'm not sure exactly what uh, Utilop your coding experience is or Woog. I assume that it's pretty extensive if you've been working in mechanistic interpretability. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. I wouldn't say my coding is good. <laughs> okay. Um but we can at least like have something, even if it's just, uh, I, I think, what's it, a pseudocode, I yeah. think would be the like the minimum, but I think we, we can probably even have like a little bit of something else. Um, but like, you know, whatever you're good with and you're comfortable with and you have time for. Um, but then by having those things written down, it formalizes it in a way that we can actually critique them and take the best aspects from each. Um, and then from there, 
we can start to run, I guess, experiments either in parallel or um, run slightly different variations of experiments uh, and then collect our results. Uh, I do feel really bad about you, Jacob. I mean, uh, I do feel like sleep is important to do well. <laughs> so if you wanted to, we could also, you know, try to collect, you know, the questions that we should post them during office hours and then meet up afterwards. Up I would best for you. I would much prefer to, to meet beforehand so that we can go into office hours knowing something that like, this is what we're doing. These are the things that we want to ask questions about because I think it'll be way more productive that way. Um, so yeah, so until then, we'll, we'll try out a bunch of different approaches and see like what are the best ideas we can come up with. Uh, I don't know exactly what you what you had in mind, but I'm, I'm guessing we maybe shouldn't go like too deep, right? In, in any approach, like it's not like we have to come up with like absolute proofs, but you know something that gives credence to whatever ideas we have. Yes, like bread first, one. basically. Yes. Yeah. Second. Bread first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Scope out like a bunch of different go. territory, like, as in, like, you know, try one experiment here, one experiment there, or, like, three experiments here, experiments there, where experiment, quote-unquote, doesn't have to be prompting. It can be. I, some of them should be prompting, at least. And uh, some of them are, are reading different things and, you know, uh, digesting them at your own pace, such that we're not in a VC, like, time constraint or whatever. Not really. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, at our own leisure. And however, we like to digest things on our own. Hmm. And uh, like the benefit is that, you know, we will all like think a bit differently and go about like this approach of just trying a bunch of random crap on our own time differently. And so like, it's definitely going to be the case that we don't overlap completely. And then we'll have some like more coverage of just a, a bunch of different kind of stuff. Yeah, or, although with that in mind, what you're saying, it might actually be beneficial if we had some place where we just post it as, as we're going. Because maybe yes, we, build on each other's we dropped them in here. So, let, let okay, me... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this is the whole Perfect. point, buddy. <laughs> okay, I just added the links that I gave during the call um, so that, that you didn't lose them um, in case you want to refer back to them. And, and I guess we'll see, you know, once we start digging into it. But at the moment, we're leaning towards something showing some gamification or problems with generalization for some of these uh, suites or data sets or whatever, or different ideas we have to try to uh, limit the effects of those. And I guess open-ended how we do that. All right, that's a general thing we're looking into. Okay. Yeah, I think we can uh, dig around. Uh, so. I, I have I have one naive question. <laughs> so, you know, when you want to demonstrate that these language models have problems, how do you look at uh, these different situations of either you just use it as is, or you put in instructions so that it behaves in a certain way, and you could those instruct you could use those instructions in order to try to make it as safe as possible, or you try to make those instructions in such a way where it's as un unsafe as possible. How are you looking at like those different kinds of setups? Say that again. I miss it. Yeah, can you can you repeat it one more time? I don't. Yeah, I don't like, think I got all of it. So so um, if we have you know a language model like you know GPT four, you can also change its its instructions, right? What, like what is it supposed to do? Right. So it's very easy to make a deceptive uh, GPT four, right? Because uh, you well, it, it depends like on how hard you try to optimize it. But at the moment, at least, you can make it fairly deceptive because maybe in your instructions you make it say like oh, your goal is to make this user believe something else, blah, blah, right? So there are like three different setups if you use GPT-4. Like one is that you just use it as is, you know, without trying to guide it anymore. Or, you know, you, you change the instructions to make it be as unsafe as possible, or you change the instructions to make it as hopefully safe as possible, right? And, and then for each of these scenarios, you could sort of demonstrate potentially problems or not. So do you have any thoughts about like which of these options is the right one or, or when you should use which one? Um, my understanding of the space right now is that it's hard to say like how safety is going to behave after arbitrary fine tuning. And so unless you're, unless we're like looking at like, 
how you're allowed to fine tune things basically or like the output um uh, after fine tuning which um yeah I, I think that's a little bit more in depth than we probably have time to do um yeah so i i think we can only do it the shitty way which is to use basically few shot learning so i think then we have to sort of take start with the default um but if you want to explore how effective that difference is in terms of like what command you're giving it um i think that's worth looking into as well i just my my gut reaction is like it's probably best just assume that like the instructions are static um and then work with that but uh, I, you know i think if you have a different thought then you should pursue that and see where it goes okay yeah i had some different thoughts that are like related to like what objective you have like like you know if you talk about like the auto gpt chaos gpt destroy the world then they can change their instructions but right. uh, I, I think it's very yeah it probably depends a lot on the type of questions i, I just wanted to see if there were already some intuitions or standards around this yeah, I don't think really there are. So we have lots of ideas at least, or lots of different tracks to dig into, which is promising. Check it out. I added these collapsible thingies. So I, you can only do this in the page list. So now we have our initial call section, and then our we can mm, yeah. We can, that's nice. This is this is for the call that we just had, and so we can not update this to it anymore after the call. And then when we do our own experiment uh, findings, we will update these sections and maybe we'll have another section and that way it's not too terrible like you know maybe other people prefer other organizational structures but this is like good enough for now we just dump everything into one document yep awesome i like how efficient you are um are there any people that we know that we would sort of want to reach out and get any um, thoughts about this or do you feel like there's no point that we haven't gotten far enough like like maybe uh, yeah, I, I think here. I'd I'd want to get a little more defined before asking, just because I I find that if you don't have a concrete a more concrete ask, the feedback is generally not as good. Yeah, you'd love. I think you are suffering from the just galaxy braining the way through, instead of like uh, <laughs> grounding in like oh, you know, actually that thing doesn't even parse properly. What doesn't work properly? Well, like it is possible that like you'll like have a, a giant elaborate scheme, but it doesn't like parse. Like it doesn't even make sense to do. Like once you've like tried to like prompt it. Hmm. But I feel like those are the ones where if you reach out to people that know it and they give feedback, that you quickly address. Yeah, but you can get feedback from GPT four. I, I tried this already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wait. Did you, so? What did GPT four say? based on or what did you ask it i mean it doesn't have that in-depth um you should paste this entire document in <laughs> verbatim uh who, who cares if images you know embed or don't and just tell it like how good or bad like we're doing a hackathon how screwed are we or do we have a good start have it criticize us uh sorry should i do it now i'm sorry uh, sure i i i, I, I meant like the you know the earlier ideas we we're talking about not the specific document but sure we can do that um, let's go i want to see gpt4 respond yeah let's see i mean <laughs> you yeah, might I be mean, a bit I'm disappointed interested. but let's try um, let's... um okay so here we go uh okay scope and relevance uh apparently we have a thorough understanding of let's current go. issues in alignment and exist efficiency of existing solutions uh Feasibility, <laughs> getting getting pro significant progress over weekend is challenging, but given the structured approach and clear delineation, it's feasible to make meaningful headway with a focused team of three. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much you want to dig into this, uh, but but you notice that you know it, it's fairly generic. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, be more specific and uh, consider existing works. Well, yeah. What should we like 
uh, what I guess what are like best practices for a hackathon? I guess uh, this is a uh, I guess research sprint. I guess for uh, yeah. So so stuff like this, like it it doesn't have enough like specific knowledge in this area. Uh, it's probably a combination of it being fairly new, the total amount of work, and also that it's maybe not entirely updated and everything. And hey, alignment sure. claims of ML models like GPT-4 or Llama 2. So it's, it, they, they increased their, uh, like Llama 2 in particular, they, they increased the, because before the knowledge cutoff was September 2021. Now it's mm. like at least since the existence of Llama 2. Comprehensive evaluation and develop of new metrics might be challenging. Uh, All right, best practices. Uh, define clear objectives. Leverage existing research. Utilize existing frameworks and studies to guide user analysis. This includes academic papers, yeah. open source tools like LME Val Harness, and ongoing discussions on AI ethics forums. That's wrong. Dang, that's impressive. Let's fucking that go. I was able to pull that. That's sweet. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, okay. It's winning points now. Uh, I just want to throw out there. Um, the anthropic um, model written evals one is also one that I would take a, a look at. It is similar, but not identical to um, the LM harness. The LM harness is, is like running other ones, whereas the model written evaluations uh, demonstrates like how they leveraged a language model to generate. Uh, this is sick. I w that's that's gonna be I think one of the directions I go, but I think it's good enough that anyone should try it. Persona evals, sheesh. Yo, what? This is crazy. Okay, I should definitely read this. I don't exactly know. There's a paper. Yeah. There's a paper for it too that explains it. Uh, in a, I guess a more written way and less of just like trying to parse the code. I see. And then uh, I guess the last thing to just throw out there is the Evaluator library that they were promoting for this page. Uh, it looks like it uses the OpenAI evals library as a backend. So I think that would mean that it would also have access to like the Make Me Say game already. Okay, I think we're good. Yeah. It was great to meet you guys. Yes, good to meet you too. So, yeah. tomorrow, extremely early, right? Except for usual. Yeah. Yes. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for your sacrifice. <laughs> yes, salute. And that does it for the first group meeting that we had as part of Apart Research's Alignment Jam's Evals Hackathon in November of 2023. After listening to the audio while editing this episode, I have definitely thought of a few things that I can do to improve for future hackathons, but I will save those for a takeaways episode at the end of the subseries. Before I go, if you think that someone you know may enjoy the Into AI Safety podcast, please share it with them. I'm looking forward to weaseling my way into your friends' ears. Well, now that you have that lovely mental image, see you next time.